This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. After a long, dark winter with Liverpool through to their first final under the stewardship of Rafael Benitez, the Reds geared up for their return to a European adventure of a lifetime. Welcome to the Road to Istanbul here on Blood Red with me, Guy Clark, as we recount the Reds' road to the 2005 Champions League final 15 years on from that historic final win over AC Milan. Well, having seen off Olympiacos then in dramatic style before 2005 was welcomed in, Liverpool progressed through to the knockout round to face familiar foes in German side Bayer Leverkusen. Joining me along the road to Istanbul, as he has throughout, is our resident Red. It is Dan K. Dan, thanks for, for joining me. We've not done one of these for a little while. Nice to, to be back in the chair. Absolutely. And it's uh, we're getting towards kind of like the business end of, of this season. So it's nice to look back at 15 years ago, how things were starting to kind of gear up in what ended up being, in, in, obviously in a different way to the 2019-20 season we're all currently enjoying now, but one of the most memorable seasons of, of the modern era or, or any Liverpool era, really. And we knew, obviously, before we sat down doing this series of podcasts here on Blood Red, that, of course, the final this year is in Istanbul once more. And you do get that feeling with Champions League week back, mm. that sort of fever. We, we all know Liverpool's history with the European Cup slash Champions League, however you want to describe it. And whilst this year has been so great, seeing Liverpool look as though they're going to end that 30-year wait for a league title... When the European week rolls back around, you do feel it, don't you? Of course. And obviously, in the context of, of winning it last year and getting to the final of the year before being the reigning champions, um, and with everything else that's going on with the league, pro- progress in the FA Cup, um, yeah, the, the league campaign obviously is going better than anyone could have dreamed of in their, in their wildest imagination. But the European Cup... Uh, the Champions League, they think to the old school amongst us, it'll always be the European Cup. We'll always have that special kind of resonance. And, you know, this, we've been quite spoiled as Liverpool supporters, but this particular year, 0405, I think it, I think that was only the third, Liverpool's third Champions League campaign. And I think it's fair to say that ahead of this game against Leverkusen, I don't think anyone was really thinking about going to Istanbul at, the, at this point. Whereas, yeah, I'd say, you know, for the rest of the decade and, and since then, getting to the knockout stages, there was that expectation. Back in back in you know in February '05, I think people were just glad to have got out of the group. It was still a very up and down season, particularly domestically, with Rafa Benitez in his first season, really kind of still trying to implement his ideals and and, and his values and, and the way he wanted the team to play. So I think everyone was just pleased to have kind of like a little bit of a break from the up and down league campaign. I think that the, the previous match before this, there'd been a 10 day break, was a fairly dismal 2-0 defeat at, at Birmingham City when we were ran ragged by Jermaine Penance, who, who signed for us a few months later. So yeah, the, the Leverkusen game came along as a, a nice kind of um, distraction really from the, uh, the travails of, of the league campaign. Yeah, and as you say, the up and down season that Liverpool had, it certainly was. And obviously last in the series of, of Road to Istanbul was talking about the Olympiacos game, the Neil Mellor moment, the Steven Gerrard moment. But that really, a snapshot, that sort of four or five days before leading into the Olympiacos game and then straight after it, a Merseyside yeah. derby defeat, basically highlighting exactly what you just said. Well, absolutely. Yeah, the Prior to the, to the Olympiacos game, Liverpool had drawn one all at Villa. Um, we all knew the... Uh, the uh, the way it was going to work out against Olympiacos, either a win by two clear goals or by one goal, goal to nil. It ended up being one of the great Anfield nights. Um, you know, comparable really to Saint Etienne because of the context of what followed. Obviously, there was there would have been no Le- Leverkusen. 
Juventus, Chelsea, and 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 Istanbul, obviously that followed, um, and but but straight away after Olympiacos, and it was it was all Merseyside derbies are big, of course they are, but this season in particular, it was David Moyes' second full season at Everton in which they ended up finishing, obviously, in fourth place ahead of Liverpool. Um, but they'd been ahead of us most of the season. So we, we all trooped across the Goodison, full of beans after Olympiacos, thinking, is this going to be kind of like the ter- you know, a turning point of this kind of fairly topsy-turvy campaign so far? And it proved not to be. We, we lost 1-0 to a goal by, by Lee Carsley, and that kind of really underlined the, the scale of the job that, that Benitez had ahead of him in, um, in really revitalising a, uh, a squad that had gone... Sadly, rather stale under under the the final seasons of Gerard Houllier. Yeah, because as you say, there like the, the form certainly in the league after Olympiacos and into the new year. Remember, at the time there was a feeling that that game was a great moment and a great time. Mm. But what was now going to be of Liverpool? Was it going to be the springboard? But you you look at the form and after that Olympiacos game, obviously there's the one 0 defeat to Everton, but also Chelsea and Manchester United, who at the time obviously Chelsea under Jose Mourinho. Manchester United, in a period I think that's often forgotten, a three or four year period where they didn't really yep. even challenge for the league. They finished no. third, I think, three years in a row. And these were Liverpool's really rivals for what was then becoming the established top four. Mm. And I, I remember the first time in my lifetime, really, where being in the top four and Champions League qualification was almost superseding winning a cup or well, anything like that. And yeah. Liverpool were now beginning... To, to fall away, but tightly in these narrow margins, 1-0 against Everton, Chelsea and Manchester United, lost all of them. Uh, and also amongst those January defeats, you know, painful January, January defeats at home to um, to Chelsea and to uh, United, for whom uh, Wayne Rooney scored in his, first, you know, his first ever goal at Anfield right in front of the cop, which went down really well, went as, right as, as you can imagine. It, yeah. Went right through him an early goal and he, and he came to uh, celebrate in front of the cop with a big smile on his face, which... Um, didn't go down particularly well, as you might imagine. But but also in that January, there was um, the famous Jimmy Traore FA Cup defeat at, at Burnley. So I think what you know, whatever concerns people had, and, and they were you know significant because you know even though there's always an understanding when a new manager comes in, it's going to take him a little bit of time. There was such a divergence between Liverpool's form. You know, they, they, in towards the end of November, they'd had a great victory against Arsenal, who had previously only been beaten once in the last fifty-three or four matches. You know, the Invincibles that went on that great run, but it, that was a very memorable day. To, you know, three fantastic goals in the game from Alonso, Vieira, and Neil Mellor right at the end, I think. And that was the frustration. You, you could see that this Liverpool team was potentially capable of beating anyone on the day, but also capable of, of losing to anyone. And that kind of inconsistency meant that you never really quite knew what you were going to get when you turned up. Yeah, no, and it, it all sort of sets up to the Champions League coming back round because Liverpool were there for beginning to get that reputation, albeit obviously having lost in the FA Cup to Burnley, of being a team on their day that could turn up but a bit flaky somewhat yeah. because you didn't know if they would definitely turn up. Obviously, by this time, I mentioned it right at the top, they're through to the first final under Rafa Benitez, after, the League Cup final. Yeah, after, um, two-legged semi-final victory over Watford, 1-0 in both games. Stephen Gerrard got both goals. Um, and that was, you know, that was some succor to the, you know, to the, the kind of concerns and worries that, you know, a lot, I think a lot of Liverpool fans were having. We had at least got ourselves to Cardiff um, with the potential to lift a first, you know, well, first trophy in two years. They won the League Cup in 2003. Um, from what I can remember, they hadn't really played anyone on the way there. They did not, not Tottenham out on penalties um, in the, the quarterfinals, I think. 
but a trophy is a trophy, and the, you know, and the, the League Cup has brought a lot of happy memories to Liverpool. But I th- so that was at least something to kind of keep us going. But I think as Europe came around, and of course the the first leg against Leverkusen was the midweek before the trip to Cardiff. It it was people were just starting to you know, starting to get vibes of two thousand one again, when all of a sudden there were big games and different competitions coming week after week, and I think we were just starting to get that kind of taste for it again. But without, I would say, certainly at this stage, the same conviction. Um, that was there in 2001 because in 2001 Hule's side had been on kind of on an upward trajectory for quite a while and a good season 99-2000 it sadly tailed off towards the end but there was genuine green shoots of recovery there whereas in 2004-05 as you say the, you, know, it, it, you don't like to say it but, but they, 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 they were a bit flaky and I think you know, even the most diehard fan would admit that so it was it was an interesting time but at the same time kind of like slightly hair and scaring because you just didn't quite know which Liverpool was going to turn up on any given day. How much did Rafa Benitez need this? Not sort of saying that we're looking at it and trying to paint a picture of Benitez was under serious pressure and he no, was going to be, be going out because that, no, that wasn't the case whatsoever. And we don't want to jump to sort of being hysterical and sensationalist at all. But there was a feeling, obviously, he, he'd won the double with Valencia before coming across. And obviously, he and Mourinho, Mourinho's coming to the Premier League. Mm. He's charismatic. He's romping away with what would be his, his first league title at Chelsea at the time, the, the first of back-to-back titles. Yet for Benitez, it was a bit of a, what, what's what's quite happening? What, what's he quite putting in place to deliver? Well, and th- there was a lot of uncertainty. And obviously, I think tied up in that as well was Steven Gerrard's future. Um, and I think also you, know, you have to throw into the context of this Michael Owen, who had left the club right at the start of the season. You know, from the high points of the, you know, the treble in 2001, an 82-point season, I think, in 2002, where we finished second to Arsenal. Yeah, 2002, yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a very strong first quarter to first third of 2002-03, when there was a genuine hope and feel that, you know, as we saw, as there's been four or five times since 1990, a Liverpool team on the cusp of really challenging for the league title. And they did for the first 10, 11 games of 0-2-0-3 and then Dudek dropped the ball at Middlesbrough and everything unravelled. And sadly, that was the end of um, the, the end of Benitez. So, Julio. Uh, Julio, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think very much tied a bit in, in you know, and obviously the, the, going back to the Olympiacos game, the context to that was basically the day before in the pre-match press conferences the day before the Olympiacos game, Gerard essentially said, if we need to get through because I, d- I don't want to be playing in the UEFA Cup next year and basically said his future was almost dependent on Liverpool being in the Champions League next season. So, um, the, what, you know, th- th- there's no question about it, particularly given Owen, Owen had left. The rise of Chelsea under this new um, Abramovich oligarch funded model there was a fear that kind of like there was you know, there was a new broom taking over in Liverpool who at this stage was still owned by the same owner David Moores before you know it, it was about about 18 months nearly two years before the first set of American owners came in there was a fear and a worry that Liverpool if they weren't careful might get left behind by the kind of the new wave of, of moneyed clubs coming through um, funny you should mention Steven Gerrard and how important for him beating Olympiacos was because by the time you get to the first knockout round first leg against Olympiacos at Anfield, he's not involved. He's not involved. And, and a mate of mine, often, when we, he wasn't ever Gerrard's biggest fan, but we, if, whenever we're talking about this particular area, he always makes the point that 
I, I, I revere the Olympiacos. For me, Olympiacos is Gerard's greatest goal. I was lucky enough to be behind the goal for both that one and the West Ham FA Cup final goal. And obviously, they were both incredible moments. But for me, Olympiacos just has the edge for a variety of reasons. You know, the, the, the technical nature of the strike, the fact that it, you know, it, it really went on to become the kernel that sowed the seed of... Um, the legend. Uh, well, well, uh, uh, of, of Istanbul. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Basically, he, he could have been sent off in that game. I remember the incident he got booked for. I think it, it was quite early in the second half, not long after um, Cinema Pongo had equalised on the night. And it was one of those kind of times in the game where the crowd's up, all of a sudden people are starting to believe it's not over yet, this. And his blood was up. And it was a bit of a rash kind of hack at someone. Now... In, in real football, in the kind of football you and me play sometimes on, on the pitch on a Thursday night, it's never in a million years a red card. But in modern football, particularly in Europe, where sometimes referees will flash a red card for the merest of infractions, he could have gone for that. And I remember watching it back even at the time thinking, it's a bit lucky there, how, how different history might have been. Um, so, so we obviously we all, uh, you know, we already, I think that was the second or third booking of the group stage. But bearing in mind uh, the context of Olympiacos, who had knocked us out in the Champions League courses three seasons before. Leverkusen. Leverkusen. I'm all over the place <laughs> of names today, aren't I? Sorry. Um, the, you know, it, Liverpool knew they were going to be up against it because Gerald was very, very much the talisman of this team. And, you know, at, at home, you're always kind of thinking, well, you need to get a decent lead to take to the away leg. And without Gerard, it, you know, I think it was felt this will be a big ask and any kind of advantage really would have been very much welcomed. Yeah, and obviously three years on from that, 2001-2 season, Gerard's obviously three years older, three years wiser, the captain of the team, really having begun, I wouldn't say he was optimal having fine-tuned his game, but he, he was certainly on the road there. And Benitez, Yeah, Benitez had that style that or the system that really suited the way that Gerard then wanted to break out of it to, to be the, the star. I suppose Liverpool go into this game, therefore, albeit obviously without the likes of Owen and Heskey, who had been there back in 2002, almost feeling as though against Leverkusen, they had a score to settle. Certainly when you mm. think of the likes in the team who would have been there three years previous, your Hippias, your Hermans. Carragher. Exactly. It's, it's these kind of guys who are probably thinking to themselves... 2001 was a great season for Liverpool, the treble, but it was also fantastic for winning tournaments, but also what they did in the league, making what was then the top three to be in the Champions League, that it was actually part of a cycle for the following season. Yeah, As you say, to, to, to try and go close in the league, which they did, couldn't quite overcome Arsenal, which had a, who had a, a brilliant team at the time. But also in Europe, we've spoken already on this series of how the Olympia, because uh, I'm doing the same now, the Bayer Leverkusen <laughs> quarterfinal could have actually been the moment where it was Liverpool in Glasgow, not the German side. Well, against Real Madrid. And at the t- you know, I think if you're looking at Gerard Houlet's time at Liverpool overall, I think it's quite easy. You, know, it, you could make a strong case for pinpointing that second leg at Leverkusen as really the pivotal point. I think before, I don't know if it was before the first leg or the second leg, he came out with this immortal phrase, we're, we're 10 games from greatness. Because Liverpool, you know, we're, I don't think we were ever really, you know, I don't think there was ever a real expectation that they could win the league in the same way that there was in 1997, 2009, 2014 or 2018. But they were very much on the fringes and on the back of, you know, three, tro- well, five trophies, if you include the Super Cup and the Charity Shield the year before, 
the, you know, it felt like the club were on the crest of a wave. Owen was at the peak of his powers, European Football of the Year. Julia had just come back from his heart operation, and it was like the Messiah had come back to you know to take uh, charge of his of his team, you know, for, for the for the glorious uh, finale. And as is well documented, Liverpool won the first leg one 0 It was a bit of a topsy turvy um, second leg, but Liverpool were basically in a, in a position to qualify, having scored an away goal, which Leverkusen hadn't hadn't done, and. In a not dissimilar way that to ultimately what Benitez, what Benitez did in the build-up to the actual final in Istanbul, Hule went against the kind of the basic founding principle, really, of his of his whole mo, his whole modus operandi. You know, because, you know much though, I think a lot of Liverpool fans love them both. Certainly, as opposed to a Jurgen Klopp, you have to say they were both rather conservative managers. Wouldn't necessarily negative, yeah. but conservative managers, and. So, so for Benitez to drop, as he did, drop a man in Istanbul for Harry Kuehl, and by the same token, with 20, 25 minutes left of the second leg in Liverpool, in control to qualify, Hulier substituted his defensive linchpin, Dietmar Haman, and brought on attacking flair player Vladimir Smitra when Liverpool didn't need a goal. It defied logic then, it defied logic now. It, it's, you know, it's, it's one thing that, that I, you know, I, I think I would love to ask uh, Monsieur Hulier. Uh, one day, what what his rationale was there, but it didn't work out. Leverkusen um, went through four three on aggregate in the end, and Liverpool battled valiant, valiantly on to the end and finished second in the league. And like I say, did start the following season where, well, with the hope that um, you know that they could really have a proper tilt at the title. But after the first defeat at Middlesbrough, it all started to unravel, and really that was that was it was the beginning of the end for him. Sadly, the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Deep Mahaman, who we should mention, scores what could effectively be seen as the real deal clincher, even in this first leg yeah. against Leverkusen, because Liverpool win 3 1. Deep Mahaman scores late on what was Liverpool's third on the night. But you had that feeling, as you said, just sort of rewinding what you, you said before about that sort of 2001, 2002, let's call it a cycle, and those seasons, a bit like the, the current seasons for Liverpool, merging into one, how the success in Madrid last summer has led to obviously what we're seeing now. Liverpool's three titles or three trophies that they won in 2001, whilst they weren't perhaps revered as the best team in the country at the time, Manchester United had obviously won titles for a decade by this time and Arsenal had won, were on the cusp of doing a second double in the space of four years. But you look at that Liverpool side and there was just that feeling that when push came to shove... They knew how to win the games to get them over the line. Well, they did, you know, and, and success becomes a habit. You know, w- w- you know, winning winning breeds winning. And and they got into the habit of doing that in, in, in 2001. And even though, you know, United won the league at a canter, I seem to remember the day that we won the league cup against Birmingham. I think the lunchtime game was United battering Arsenal 6-1. I think they were 5 up at half-time. So they absolutely cantered to the championship. But... They were, Liverpool beat them home and away that season, and also again home and away in the league in, in 0102. So there were, it was almost like a role reversal of the 80s, where Liverpool had become the cup team and beat United regularly, but United would always win the championship, which is which is was largely the story of things in the in the 1980s and well, yeah, the 1980s, not the 90s. But as we knit it into this road to Istanbul, there is a reason we're talking in depth, obviously, about three years before, if, if those are listening, scratching their heads, thinking, <laughs> is this not the road to Istanbul? It is, but for me, this season, certainly in Europe, up until this point at least, it felt as though, whilst it was Rafael Benitez's first year in charge, it was Julio's boys finishing the job, 
in terms of they'd had a great ride, it'd come to an end and, and petered out. It had petered out. The, first, yeah. the final sort of 18 months of it, it, it wasn't fantastic. But there was those players, as we said about Gerard beginning to come yeah. to the fore. You still had the Dudex, the Hippias and Carragas in defence. All right, Carragher now playing as a centre-half, but having matured into that role. But a feeling of that togetherness and collective spirit that then coming back up against Leverkusen, it was this time... We'll get the job done. Yeah, Gerard Houllier revolutionised the club. Um, you know, it was well documented that he came into the dressing room supposedly after the victory in Istanbul, and it was kind of like scorned a little bit in some quarters. Kind of like he's trying to claim credit for something that wasn't his. And you know, Benitez put a significant stamp on that team. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, with with you know the, the two Spanish lads in particular that came in. Um, Alonso and Garcia. Really, it was him that moved Jamie Carragher to centre back. Yep. And became and became a world class centre back. And you know, Carragher and Gerard particular, particularly, and obviously, they, you know, they, they've done a, an excellent. You know, Carragher's an excellent podcast series, and he did a brilliant one with Gerard not long ago. And they both spoke in the the most glowing terms about Julio. You know, you can't ever forget that that the fellow nearly gave his life for the club. And you know, I, I it, it was sad the way things panned out towards the end, but he his. You know the cultures, the, the culture, the values that he instilled into the club um, round about the turning of the century. Um, re, you know, really started to pay off, and, and I think anyone that lived through and, and enjoyed that era will always kind of think well and fondly uh, of him. And, and it, there's no question that he played his part in this success. But at, but at the same time, I think you know it, it would be wrong to say it, it was it was his team because yeah. Rafa's ta- tactical acumen very much came to the fore as the knockout stages really started to progress. And that was what I was then going to exactly go on to. The next point for us is draw the line under what Gerard Houllier did because obviously he had brought a number of these players to the club, but the one who he hadn't, or the two who he hadn't, as you, as you say, Jabby Alonso, like Gerard, actually not involved in this first leg game. But Luis Garcia is, mm. and he's the man who gets the scoring underway and how important he was about to become well in this knockout phase because absolutely. that's what writes him into Liverpool folklore. This was really the start of the period that really started to showcase just what he could do for Liverpool. I remember quite vividly uh, in early January, Liverpool went to Southampton, lost two 0 quite dis- quite miserably on a, a cold Saturday lunchtime. I think pretty sure Peter Crouch scored, and again, I think we possibly bought him largely on the back of that. But I, I remember Gar- Garcia played a, 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 in that game and. He scored a few goals. Um, he maybe got half a dozen goals by the turn of the year. But he looked lightweight. And he looked the kind of player that, yeah, you might get the odd nice flick, the odd nice goal here and there. But when push comes to shove, you know, I don't want to quote the, the traditional wet, wet Wednesday in Wigan, but there were, there were, there were, I think the jury was very much still out on how effective ultimately he would be long term. But this Leverkusen game really was the start of it. The game that I always think back on in terms of kind of like his real kind of breakthrough game was uh, just after the second leg against Leverkusen, actually. Just be, I'm pretty sure, I think the, the draw for the quarterfinals was on the Friday and we, and we drew Juventus, which obviously was big news, first time since 1985. And on the Sunday, it was the return Merseyside derby against Everton, who of course had beaten us already at Goodison, was still ahead of us in fourth place. And it was a huge game. All, you know, it, it, it really, you know, in the context of fourth place and Liverpool desperately trying to make up this ground. Liverpool started really well with two and a half after half an hour, free kick from Gerrard and Garcia, uh, a, a, a close range header after for, uh, Fernando Morientes has hit the post. Uh, and Everton, as is sometimes the case in Merseyside derbies when they're not really at the races, decided to adopt a rather agricultural approach to tackling. And basically by half time, three of Liverpool's players were injured and had been substituted and we'd, and we'd used all our subs. And then Garcia got nobbled as well. 
And um, you know, were, at one point, you know, there was a suggestion of fear that they might have to, might actually have to play the second half with ten men. But he did come out uh, for the second half. You know, almost kind of hobbling around on one leg. He certainly wasn't one hundred percent fit. But he did just enough, as it as it turns out, Liverpool did have to play part of the second half with ten men because Milan Barros got sent off. But Liverpool held Cahill pulled the goal back for the Blues, but Liverpool held on to win two one. And even though Everton still finished the season above us in the league, I always feel that was a really important moment in that season. I remember Benitez coming onto the pitch after the match and always having a little huddle with the players in the centre circle. You just felt that that was a significant moment in terms of like the togetherness, the atmosphere, the kind of the resolve and steel it had to show to get through, you know, an afternoon of real adversity. Um, I, but for me, that was the day that Garcia showed to me that, yeah, all right, he might only be five foot nothing and looks like he couldn't knock a hole through a West Echo, to use a, uh, a local expression. But he was he had a steel and a resolve to him. And as we would as we would go on to see also that happy knack of being in the right place at the right time. Well, he scored, just looking, he'd scored previous to this Leverkusen first leg, he'd scored five goals for Liverpool. After Christmas, he scored five goals alone in the knockout stage and obviously the first one we'll go through the others obviously as we go through the series here on the road to Istanbul but that first one back out from the new year it just certainly 15 minutes into this game it set the tone for Liverpool to go on the front foot and attack well it did because you know as I say the build up to the game I wouldn't say there was yeah you know, we were just happy to be there in the knockout stages we're Liverpool football club we, you know, we weren't playing by Munich we were playing by Leverkusen so I think there was still an expectation that you know We've got a chance against these. We've got to give it a go, but you know this was not an experienced European team. You know Leverkusen did have some, did have some experience. Obviously, they'd been to the final only two Tal years Berbatov. before. That Berbatov, that Andre Voronin. Yeah, Andre Voronin. <laughs> um, Michael, no, they didn't have Balak by, by that. No, they didn't have. But that um, time. But how you said before about Pennant and Crouch buying players after playing against Liverpool. Mm. I'm not quite sure it rings true for Andre Voronin in this game. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But but it, it just, you know, the, the value of scoring an early goal, you know, it's a bit, it's European, like everyone turns up, seems you never walk alone and then the game gets underway and then there's a kind of like, well, how is this going to play out? Do you know what I mean? What Liverpool are we going to get tonight? Because as I mentioned, we didn't really know which we were going to which which red team was going to turn up, and I think someone that does deserve a mention here. Really, the, the Garcia took it took it beautifully, but really the first goal was down to Igor Biscan, who um, had already played a significant part in getting Liverpool out the group stages with a slalom run through midfield to set up the only goal in La Coruña, which is uh, the fourth group stage game, which which was a game Liverpool really had to win, having only won one of the first three, and it was quite a similar move really for the goal that. Um, the Garcia opened the scoring with against Leverkusen. A little shimmy, turn past a couple of people, and then a lovely little slide through, a slide rule ball uh, to Garcia, who slipped it under um, the goalkeeper, Hans Jorg. But, and, you know, he, he went on to become a little bit of a cult figure, um, Biscan. And it was, it was a really nice story because at the end of the previous season, it kind of looked like he was finished. Yeah. Um, he'd kind of broken through during the treble year, and there was, you know, his, his first two games I seem to remember was a win against. Man United and the win against Arsenal. Um, and I think there was, a, you know, it was a big, strong lad. He looked like he had plenty of ability. He looked like he could be a real midfield powerhouse. But it, it kind of all kind of tailed off a bit for him. And in 03, 04, Hule basically tried to turn him into a centre-back. Yeah. And that didn't really pan out. And, and the previous season's European campaign had ended 
in a quarterfinal UEFA Cup defeat, I think I think it was a quarterfinal away to Marseille, when Biscan, playing out of position at centre-back, got sent off in the first half and Liverpool went out. And I think really everyone was kind of surprised that he was kind of still on the books at 4 5 But he played a really significant part in the whole campaign. I'm fairly sure he started in Turin. I'm fairly sure he started at least one or possibly both legs of the semi-final against Chelsea. So even though he didn't feature in the final against Istanbul and um, you, know, you don't really kind of see him on any of the pictures, um, Igor will always be remembered for, for the part he played in, in Istanbul and, 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 you know, and, and should you know, have thanks given to him for that, really. Yeah, and, and such a crucial part of the team. But in that, in what you said about the, the move reminiscent to what he'd done in uh, La Coruña against Deportivo, um, when you look at Liverpool's Champions League run in the group stage in terms of away from home it was important that Liverpool almost built up a bit of a barrier not that they conceded a lot of goals because they hadn't but they weren't scoring goals away that was the only goal prior to what would be the second leg which we we don't need to divulge too much information but they'd only scored one goal away from home Mm. so going to Leverkusen with a two goal lead I'm sure well, in the back of the minds it was quite crucial. It was. Um, and I think, you know, certainly when, so we were two up at half time, Garcia um, scored that lovely opener. I think Risa got the second with a free kick at the Anfield yeah. Road and not long before half time. And then when Haman made it 3 0 with another free kick, another free kick in front of the cop, about midway through the second half, I think really every, all Liverpool fans were quite happily packed up and gone home. I think 3 0, I think most people would have taken 1 0 before the start. Um, and a large part of that would have been yes that there was there was the uh, you know concern that we weren't scoring a lot of goals either at home or away really because you know that there was no real talismanic centre forward it was largely uh, based between Barros and Cisse and Cisse missed half the season because he broke his leg at Blackburn. Yeah. Um, also, there were, you know, there was we were conceding a lot of goals, so a clean sheet at home was seen as being essential, and you know we may well get onto the closing stages of of, of this particular match. And what happened with Leverkusen's late goal and how that really affected the mentality of the tie um, and certainly my mentality going into it because, um, well, you know, if, 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 if we want to just get into so, so Yeah, straight into it, yeah. 3 0 up. And cruising. Stoppage time. Everyone's you know, looking forward to a trip down to Cardiff to play Chelsea in the League Cup final at the weekend. And in stoppage time, um, we conceded such a soft goal. And Hersey Dudeco obviously is immortalised in the final because of this season and largely really solely because of the final unfortunately Mo made a a pretty awful error it was um, I'm trying to remember who it was exactly had the shot Um, it it was Berbatov three three minutes into time added on so it wasn't even kind of like 87, 88 it was literally the last knockings of stoppage time Speculative shot from Berbatov that really could have thrown his cap on, and unfortunately spilled it. And uh, the Brazilian France slotted it in. And you know, in in two leg European football, the difference between three nil and three one is seismic. Uh, particularly when you, three years before Liverpool had had blown a decent advantage away. I remember my head falling off to such an extent. <laughs> that I ranted after the game that Dudek should be dropped for the final in Cardiff and that they should put Kirkland in. I didn't want to see him in a red shirt again. And I was so kind of <laughs> mentally scarred. But I, I was convinced that basically that was going to cost us the tie. And the memories of that second leg against Leverkusen when, you know, I think we all had our... If I remember it in, 
rightly no one who it was one of these years when they basically made the quarterfinal draw and the semi-final draw at the same time yeah they did yeah so we knew that if we got past Leverkusen I think we would I can't remember who we would have played in the semi but I knew there was a very good chance we would play Man United in the Hamden Park final yep because oh no we'd have played Real Madrid Real but Madrid. they played Manchester United in the semi-final no no Lever, Leverkusen not United out after us, I'm sure they did. No, re- two thousand. Oh, sorry, I'm on about two thousand three, aren't I? Yeah, they called Yeah, oh one oh two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so I think that you know, I think we all had our hearts set on you know, Hamden Park. Liverpool's first ever European final was was there in 1966 against Borussia Dortmund in the Cup Winners' Cup. So it was it was kind of a bit of a devastating defeat at the time. And basically, I'd convinced myself that, that was it. Dudek had blown it. And the night of the second leg, I, you know, I wasn't really travelling to many European away then at the time I actually arranged to play football that night because I just couldn't face watching us get knocked out in Leverkusen again and I remember keeping nipping over to my phone just checking the yeah, fledgling mobile phones that we had back then and checking the score and you know thankfully without giving too much away ahead of the next episode things worked out but it it was a it was a pretty shocking moment when when Duda let that one in but thankfully it proved not to be as costly as, as certainly I feared yeah it is basic maths obviously that Three one. There's there's two goals, but obviously with how away goals work, having been three nil up, it would have taken an awful lot from Leverkusen to even avoid extra time to win. Four, uh, yeah, it would have had to have been four nil or yeah. by four goals if Liverpool had scored away from home. But all of a sudden, a two nil away win wouldn't have been out the uh, sort of clutches of, of possibility. Well, but just in terms of two thousand two, just to to wrap that up, yeah, it was. Uh, semi-final for, for Leverkusen against Manchester United after Liverpool uh, were knocked out by Madrid, Leverkusen and then yeah of course it was uh, an El Clasico semi-final with Madrid winning it in Glasgow but before in a couple of weeks time obviously we, we reconvene there was now an awful lot still riding on the tie because I, I think I'm right in saying between these games Liverpool still had to play Newcastle United who were a side who at the time 2005 were looking yeah, to knock lost, on the door of lost one the nil. top four Lauren Robert, I think. Yeah, and around that time obviously Blackburn Rovers were beginning to move up the table and infringe on the European places as well as the Carling Cup final so there were big games at 3-0 Liverpool could have perhaps rested up and thought right mm. the return leg albeit we can't go completely weak but we should be through all of a sudden now. Three one. Every game's meaning everything. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it was absolutely back of the balance. And it, it was, you know, I've, I suppose by the time Sunday came around, I certainly didn't walk into the Millennium Stadium and start booing Dudek. Um, but you know, unfortunately, that that was the perception. By this stage, he'd been at the club two or three seasons, and after his outstanding first year when he really did look the business. He'd have those bad couple of errors against against Manchester United, you know, the, the Diego yeah. Forlan ones, and there was that feeling that he was just potentially a little, a little bit vulnerable, and, and there was always a mistake in him. And unfortunately, instance like this, one in the final minutes of the first leg against Lever, uh, Leverkusen, kind of bore that out. But you know, on the flip side, there was at least the feeling, but all right, well. We've only won three one, and in reality, I think most Liverpool fans would have, would have quite happily snapped your arm yeah. off for three one before the game. It's just when you're when you're literally a minute away from three nil, it's you know it, it stung a little bit at the time. But I guess it just all added to the the drama of what was really starting to turn into a you know a very absorbing European campaign. Yeah, drama it certainly would be, and as you say, it's that football fandom thing that gets you where at three nil you're happy and hosed at three one, and certainly with the history between these two sides. 
the doubts begin to creep in. But anyway, that's it for us here on this edition of The Road to Istanbul. We'll be back in a few weeks to reconvene ahead of what will be the second leg of Liverpool's home tie with Atletico Madrid in the last 16 of the Champions League, where back in 2005, it was a trip to the Bay Arena as Liverpool did indeed look to protect, or did they, that 3-1 home lead that they had from the first leg of their last 16 tie with Bayer Leverkusen. I've been Guy Clark alongside me, Dan Kay. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Blood Red. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.